Wow, that is an incredible story. Slightly crazy story, isn't it? Well, when I looked up in the dictionary to see what actually transfiguration means, long word, it says this, transfiguration is a large change in appearance or form, a metamorphosis. Now, I think adults, you're thinking kids won't understand what that is. But if you're a parent, you've heard, well, I've heard four times around what a metamorphosis is because all four of my children have learned about the caterpillar changing into a butterfly. We even have, I know everything about this, the five stages, how the caterpillar gets into this cocoon. He has to fight. He has to struggle. He wrestles. He fights his way out. He eventually escapes and becomes the most beautiful butterfly. Now, I don't know if you know this. Do you know more than me? Probably even you do. But caterpillars are primed to become butterflies from birth. There's nothing else that they can be. From the moment they're hatched into this little egg, their destiny is to be a butterfly. They can't stay a caterpillar. They have to get into the safety of a cocoon. They have to break out so that they can be the butterfly that they're destined to be. I read this quote the other day, and it says, a caterpillar's transformation into a butterfly has fascinated humans for so long. The metamorphosis of a stubby, crawling, land-based insect into an airborne fairy is the perfect metaphor for change, improvement, escape, way out, and even life after death. Wow, such powerful words. You know, why are humans so fascinated with this transformation? For me personally, to look at an insect that can change into something different, I'm like, I want that. If you can do that with an insect, surely you can do it with me. And I think deep down, our longing as humans is to be transformed, to be exactly how God intended, to be free, to be that beautiful butterfly. And I feel like actually we are in a season, we've seen it over the last few weeks, we've seen the hunger in the room for transformation, for renewal. And we've been looking at that each Sunday. And I don't know about you, but I'm up for it. And I have been up for it. And not just me, there's been quite a few of us that have been walking this journey of transformation. So to go back to the story, we have to leave the caterpillars for a little while. Sorry, kids. Um, we're in the story. We've just found out just before this, the disciples have realized that Jesus actually is the son of God. But now Jesus is taking just three of them up the mountain. Why? Because he wants them to witness the journey of transformation. So how do we enter into this journey of transformation. So my first point is follow God up the mountain. Now, when I saw this, read this story, first thing I thought, you probably didn't think this, but I was thinking, why are only three? And if there's only three in Jesus, they're going to be fully seen, aren't there? There's no hiding. You want to walk all the way up the mountain. Jesus is going to know you. You're going to know him. He knows everything about you. They were pretty okay with that. It was quite intimate. It was just four of them. And I was thinking, being a parent, I know that when you, when you have a baby, they want to be seen, 
They want to be known. They want to be loved. And we sure hear about it, don't we? Whether it's crying or shouting or tantrums. But that's fine because that's natural. But somehow along the way, something starts to shift. We still want to be loved. But we don't want to be fully seen. And maybe we don't want to be fully known. And why is that? What stops us? What stops us? Why do we hide? Why do we put things away and keep them in boxes where we don't want people to see? Well, I've got a story. Kids, if you listen to this story, do not copy what I did. When I was about five or six years old, in my little red and grey uniform, at school, got to school this one day, was about to go into the assembly, and a friend of mine said, I've got some chewing gum. I'm going to give it all to you. Do you want some? And me being a bit like, oh, I want to impress. I was like, okay, I'll take the chewing gum. I'll just put it in my pocket. No one will know. Put the chewing gum in my pocket. Yeah, Mabel, I did. Then I walked into the assembly in those little single files that you do, sat down cross-legged thinking, it's in my pocket, no one can see. The assembly starts and then, yep, Mabel, the headmistress gets up. She gets to the front of the assembly hall and she says, there's been an incident of us finding chewing gum under tables in school. At this moment, my heart is beating so fast. I'm hot, I'm sweating, I'm only five years old, but I'm, I'm all of those things. And I'm thinking, oh, I'm gonna get caught, what do I do? She says, afterwards, we're going to line up, we're gonna walk out, and at the end of your line will be a teacher, and they're gonna check to see if you've got chewing gum. And I'm thinking, oh, how can I hide it? What can I do with the chewing gum? Remember now that I was five, these aren't sensible options. First thing I thought is, what if I quickly put it in my mouth, stick it to the top of my mouth, then it will stay there and nobody will see. So I put it in my mouth, started chewing it, stuck it to the top of my mouth. But it kept falling, falling back into my mouth. So I thought, no, this isn't going to work. Panicking, panicking, panicking. So I take the chewing gum out of my mouth and think, if I put it between my fingers here, then that is not going to be seen because I could walk out like a robot and just walk out like that. So I thought, this is, the, this is the option. I put my hands back together, but it was warm in the hall. Very warm. Assemblies are always warm, aren't they? And it was starting to get a little bit sticky. And as it got to the end and they asked for all children to file out, I opened my hands to find they were stuck. I had chewing gum between the fingers, under the nails, all over the hands. There was no way I was getting out of there unseen. And I, all the way to the, in the line, up to the teacher, I'm panicking, panicking, what am I going to do? Where can I put my hands? I get to the end of the line, the teacher looks at me, I look at the teacher, tears fall down my face, and I open my hands and I expose the gum. Now, Thankfully, the teacher didn't shout at me, but she did have to take a whole, it felt like an eternity, probably half an hour, scrubbing my hands with a soap bar, trying to get the gum off. Now, if you think about it, if I'd have tried to carry on hiding that gum and gone through the day, I'd have had to hide from all the teachers. I wouldn't have been able to get my hands out. I wouldn't have been able to do any of the work. I wouldn't have been able to fully participate in all that was going on in the day. And for some of us, 
it might be like that. That there's things that we've got that we've hidden and we can't fully participate in everything. We can't fully engage with God because we're scared of what he might think. You know, as a teenager growing up, I didn't thankfully literally have gum all over my hands anymore. But I did have stuff. I was really, really scared as a young person, really scared, fearful. And even though I had this smile on the outside, I was always so happy, inside... I was pretty much crying and felt invisible. I didn't think that anybody could see me and I didn't want to even look at all the stuff that was making me feel sad. I was hiding things. But an amazing thing happened. Now, kids, for some of you at Kids Church and some of the youth, we've seen this. You've encountered Jesus, whether it's been through pictures or you've heard his voice. Well, this was going to be my first encounter. One of these evenings, I was in a car actually, and I was feeling really sad, and I felt, I did feel, like I said, invisible. And I looked up at the sky, and I said, Jesus, in my head this was, not out loud, but Jesus, do you see me? Can you see me now? Do you even care? Are you, do you see what's going on? And then suddenly, and no one has been able to take this away from me, because it was so... It's just been, it has been transformational for me. I saw in my head Jesus' face, and he looked at me with such kindness and said, I see you. I see you. And it was enough. The circumstances hadn't changed, but it was enough. And I knew that I wanted to follow Jesus, just like those disciples have followed Jesus. I knew I wanted to follow him, and I waited for the, the way out. As I got older, I made, basically started to walk up the mountain, but I had, hadn't still come out of hiding. There was part of me that I presented to Jesus and to my friends. And I guess some of us could live like that forever because you've got half of God, half of friendships. It's okay, but it's not what God's intended. It's not the best. And I believe that God wants more for each one of us. I believe that just like God wanted to show the disciples the fullness of Jesus, the past and the future, he wants to do that with each one of us. And that means fully encountering. It means stop hiding. And it means to see it all. So how do we do that? So number two is listen to God and do what he says. So let's go back to the story. These disciples have gone up the mountain They've seen their friend glowing. I mean, that's crazy. They've seen two dead people appear. That's even crazier. So, you know, they're going to be a bit like freaked out. But then, then is the cloud. They are suddenly covered by a cloud. And not only that, they hear this voice, the voice of God saying, this is my son whom I love. Listen to him. And they were absolutely terrified. You saw they fell down on the floor. Who of us feels scared or even terrified at revealing the whole of us to God? Or even just experiencing and encountering the fullness of God? Who of us can admit to that, that we feel a little bit terrified at times? Well, 
this is an interesting moment because I think it's the moment that the disciples go from being spectators to being participators. Suddenly the crowd is round them. They're on the floor. What is Jesus going to do? They're on the floor terrified. The first thing he does is he reaches out and he touches them. He touches them and he says, don't be afraid. How kind is that? How kind is Jesus that God has sent Jesus to take away our fears? Don't be afraid. I love that. I think there's something actually comforting about the cloud as well. The moment he says that, the disciples look up, the old has disappeared, the two guys have disappeared, and it's just them, Jesus, in a cloud, similar to in a cocoon, in a safe place where they can meet with Jesus. You know, Jesus brought me to a safe place. And one of these safe places was actually Trinity, you know, where it's all about the presence of God, isn't it? You can't really get away from it. And I remember when I first came here saying to God, this is in lockdown as well, what, what do you want to say to me? What do I need to do? How do I follow you? What do you want me to do? And he said these simple words to me, bring the old Tanya back into view and together with the Tanya you are now. And to be honest, I was like, no, no. And I actually found a trusted friend and told her this. I didn't actually quite realize what was about to happen. But I wanted to follow Jesus. So I listened to him and I was like, okay, what does that mean? And I'm telling you this next bit because I know it isn't the same for everybody, but I do believe that God can move in powerful ways. And for me, the first thing I had was the most vivid dream of my life. And I had a dream and I woke up the next morning with these three significant things that had happened when I was little. And, and yeah, we don't need to go into it, but things that, that really hurt, that I had put so far down, had packaged up so far away that I was not for bringing them out. So I left it a week. <laughs> I left it a week and thought, really, God, is that you or is that me? Is it my mind? Is it this? Is it that? You know, all those things you do to, to put it off. And then... I was in a Zoom call with not so many people with this guy called Mike Pilavachi. And right at the end, he decides to add this little bit of, just got some words for some people here. And my heart started to be, it's like God had always, always, was already telling me, it's going to be for you. I started to feel sick and started to shake. And Neil will tell you, I was shaking. My heart, dun, 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 dun. And then suddenly it was, I believe there's someone here that's just recently had a dream of three significant things that happened in their past. God wants to say he saw it, that he didn't like it, that it's not okay, but he wants to bring you out of it. I mean, what the heck? There is no way you can go from that. You have to be up for a metamorphosis. You have to be up for saying, yes, I'm going to listen to you and I'm going to follow you. God created a cocoon for me, a safe place where I was able to wrestle, face up to, struggle and fight my way out because he wants healing. He wants healing for me. He wants healing for you. He wants healing for the church. And he's made a way for that, hasn't he? Through Jesus, he's made a way. I read this the other day. It says, a butterfly is meant to fly. It's meant to look different to and even behave differently to a caterpillar. I think that's a definition of renewal. You know, I want to look and I want to behave differently. 
And for me, that's mean unveiling and bringing out the hidden so that God can heal. To be honest, me wearing a yellow top today when I said I'd never wear yellow ever, and me standing up here talking when I said I'd never do this ever is part of a transformation, a massive one. <laughs> so we're coming down to land. Why? Why does God want this in our lives? Why do we even bother? Number three, because he wants us back down the mountain and encounter for a purpose. It was the same with Moses when he met with God and he had an encounter, an amazing encounter. His face was shining. God told him what to do. He gave him the commandments and Moses followed that. He wrote them down. He took them down to a people that were fighting and arguing. He took those down. Elijah heard his words and um, prophesied them out. And now we've got these disciples who are told to follow what Jesus tells them to do. What is the first thing that Jesus tells them to do? He says, let's go back down the mountain. Now, I love that Peter says, but it's good to be here in your glory. I want to camp out for a bit. And to be honest, I, I love being on my own with God. I love our worship evenings, like last night, last Sunday. I could stay there. Let's extend the services for three hours and just be here in God's presence. But So I get it. I get what Peter's saying. But that isn't, I think, what God is calling us to do. And I think it's not too dissimilar to what Steve said last week about us taking punch, the work of God, out in our cups. I had a dream. So I've been having these dreams. Basically, they've just carried on. And what I love about that is it's God leading me, not someone else. But God has led me all, all the steps of the way to uh, transforming, transformation and renewal. But one of these dreams I feel was about this church. So I set the scene it's a story, everyone, a dream story. But basically, I, it was dark. It was dark. And there was a car park. And there were two people in this car park. They both had their hands on their car keys, the ones that you just go, and it opens the cars. One person opened the keys to the, opened the car, got in the car, and waved goodbye to the other. The other person in the dream had the keys but couldn't find her car. She couldn't find her way out. There was no way out. She couldn't see it. It was getting darker. It was raining. And in this dream, there was a real sense that this person was in fear. She was scared. She looked back and she saw there's a lane leading up to a house. She starts to walk up the lane to the house. And suddenly, somebody else comes out from the house. They walk down the path and they gather this person they draw this person in. They invite this person into the house. And in the house is a room with gold circular room. And it's actually got sh showers all the way around, warm water trickling down the sides. And this person invites this lady and says, come, come in. She sits with this lady. She holds this lady in the shower as the water trickles down and starts to melt off all the mud on the clothes. She then holds that person, turns that person around and raises their head because they're so full of shame and they've been so hidden, they're so desperate, they can't even look someone in the eyes. They lift their head and they lift their head up and there in front of them is another person that is holding white garments and offering them out to this person. And it takes everything 
everything for this person to take these white garments, to receive them and to put them on. I believe that's the kind of church that God wants. Not one where we turn up, we have a wonderful time and we get back in our car and we drive off. It's one where we come in, we encounter, we go back down that lane and we gather more, gather more people that are lost, that are hurting, that are desperate and we bring them in to that encounter of God and we send it out again. You know, I heard a story the other day about a child um, and it's actually a transformation for her and what's going on in her life. But one of the key lines was, the, ch- the game has been changed. And I believe that God is a game changer. And as we encounter with him, he changes everything. We need it, don't we? We need that encounter. We need the renewal so we can take his power out with us and go back down the mountain. And for that, for me, that's meant bringing the whole of me to Jesus, not just the bit that I thought he'd like, but everything. And as I've began to do that, the healing and the wholeness has begun, and I'm able to take that out with me to other people. So I guess really the response that I'm thinking about today is we're all going to be in different places, aren't we? Some of us not at the mountain, some of us up the mountain, some of us coming down the mountain, we could be anywhere. But what doesn't change is that we can encounter with God this morning. Um, So I've got a prayer that um, I thought I could pray over you. And even the children, you can do this. You can put your hands out. And adults, put your hands out if you want to. If you're like, yeah, I'm up for this. I want to be part of this. I want this renewal. I want to be transformed. I want to go and be the butterfly that God has created me to be. Then to put your hands out and I'll pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, we ask you to open our eyes to see where you are and to see what you're doing. We ask you to open our ears to hear what you're saying. Lord Jesus, make yourself known. Reveal yourself in dreams, through the Bible, through the experience of miracles and hearing of stories. Jesus, light of the world, as I follow you today, would you illuminate the darkness within us? Would you illuminate the darkness around us? Show us your presence and your path as we welcome the light of life. Don't let our wrong expectations prevent us from encountering you today. Amen. So I don't know what we want to do. I think the worship band are going to come back up, but... If there's anyone that is thinking, actually, out of those three points, that you're up for going up the mountain, you're up for listening and following, and you really want to go back down that mountain, then maybe there's a response that we could have this morning. And just because the kids are in doesn't mean we can't respond. There's space for it all. We've actually got a response for the children. You should have had like a little um, paper chains when you came in. I thought it'd be really good for you to write down as many names you can of people that you know that don't know God on each little chain, and we're going to loop them together. But for the adults and the youth, if you would like to respond, then please come forward because we would love to pray for you. Kids, if you want prayer, we've got kids team, youth team, we've got ministry team, we've got it all. (laughs) But please come forward and don't miss this moment to...